And welcome, everybody, to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. Hope all is well. Big interview today on the podcast. Don't I say that every day? I'm sorry. You know why? Wait for it. It's true. Rudy Giuliani, the mayor of New York. I'm sorry, the former mayor of New York. I know a lot of people would like him to be mayor of New York right about now and not Bill de Blasio. Anyhow, he was on the water cooler today, and boy, did he make some news. Uh, he said regarding the Durham report, uh, which, of course, we know that could implicate quite a few uh, Obama administration officials, we're hearing that the Durham report might not be out until after the election. He called that unconscionable. Uh, and so he had some tough uh, words for the DOJ on that. He also said that the upcoming election is going to be an, an unlawful, unlawful election. And he also talked about New York City and some of these other big uh, liberal cities. He says their survival is at stake if Joe Biden wins the presidency. So all of that, plus Rudy Giuliani unveiling his COVID-19 test results live on the water cooler today. Once again, the water cooler, my 4 p.m. Monday through Friday show uh, every day on Real America's Voice. You can get it on Dish Network uh, as well as uh, where else? Pluto Television, Apple, Roku, Amazon Fire, all that stuff. So Rudy Giuliani coming up and a whole lot more today on The Pod's Honest Truth. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And we're back here on the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. Had to get my name in there. All right, time for Rudy Giuliani, our interview. He made a lot of news. I want to get to it right away. Uh, he talked about uh, the Durham report being unconscionable, uh, the, this idea that uh, it wouldn't be released until after the election, potentially. He also talked about, uh, oh my goodness, we got so much to talk about, how this is an unlawful election coming up and so much more. Rudy Giuliani on the water cooler today. Here it is. Mr. Mayor, great to see you again. Appreciate you. Great to see you. How are you? I'm doing well. I, I want to start with uh, this whole Gretchen Whitmer kidnap plot. What do you make of, sure. make of that? I mean, you're a law enforcement guy. That, that all thing seems pretty bizarre. It is. And, but, you know, as a former mayor and someone responsible at times for the security of both President, um, President uh, Reagan and, and even President Clinton, uh, this, happens, this happens all the time. Now, I don't mean it gets to this level all the time. For that one, there were 100 threats of something like that happening to a president, a mayor, a governor. Um, you'd be surprised how many crazy things you get. And the wonderful thing about law enforcement is they don't get, they don't lose the forest for the trees. They stick on every single one of them. You know, I was a, I was a subject of a plot uh, with Newt Gingrich a year and a half ago to be killed in Paris, France. And they caught the people, uh, the Islamic terrorists uh, from Iran, just the day before. And they're going to blow up 100,000 people, including me, Mrs. Rajavi, and Newt Gingrich. And then I was a subject of a plot six months before that in, in Albania. Uh, I can't tell you how often I've come a day or two close to their killing me. So I feel for her. I really, uh, no matter our political differences. Yeah. And I feel for her if she's not been in law enforcement because I had, you know, I had the experience of having people wanting to kill me when I was 32 years old. I live with that, prosecuting the mafia, the drug cartels. Right. Uh, and you say, well, you know, we, we ward all of them off. And then, my God, there's always the one 
we can't be perfect 100% of the times, but I, I know we do a better job now than we ever did, and I'm glad they caught them. Uh, I also sure. uh, should, should, should emphasize when they blame it on President Trump, well, then you got to blame Black Lives Matter on, on Biden and, and on his running mate. I mean, after all, Black Lives Matter uh, gets money from the same source as the Democratic Party. Uh, millions and millions get, go through a, a place called Blue Acre or something. It's a, it's a set-up company by Soros, where millions and millions go to Black Lives Matter, the Democratic Party, Antifa, and they surely are encouraged, Black Lives Matter and Antifa, by the dead silence of the Democratic Party in condemning them. Uh, I, th I think it was Biden who made the extraordinary comment that Antifa is an idea. I mean, that would be like saying right. the KKK is an idea or the mafia is an idea or the Nazi army was an idea. So for whatever, for whatever the, the, the worth of that, which I don't think very much of, I'm sorry if they're going to blame that one incident on Donald Trump. Well, they got Let about ask you. $3 billion worth of damage, a couple of cops killed and about 2,000 people in the hospital due to organizations. Not only do they support, but they help to bail out of jail. Mayor, I want to ask you uh, about these these debates that we are hearing so much about. And, you know, the, the president frustrated that they want to do it virtually. I, I want to get your take on that specifically. And, and also this idea that the Commission on Presidential Debates is kind of has it in for the president and, and is a bit biased here in terms of how they're approaching this. What's your take? Well, I was a catcher, right? And uh, whenever my pitcher was basically on, but they called 15 balls in a row, 10 of which looked over the plate to me, I figured he was being paid by the other side. So they've never given us a call, ever. I mean, in, in the first debate the, with Hillary, the phone went out. Uh, we asked them for uh, we asked them for a one-on-one -on -one debate, a Lincoln-Douglas debate. They didn't grant that. This time we asked them if we could have debates before September 28th. R remember, about you know, 15, 20 percent of the people had voted before the first debate. That wasn't fair. We, I wrote to them two months before and asked them, what, what would be so hard in having the debates in September so everybody that's voting could have those debates? The Biden people didn't want to do it. They wouldn't overrule the Biden people, even though the entire, the entire format of the debates was written in an age when we didn't have early voting. Uh, to me, that's a totally unprincipled decision. I mean, the right thing to do is when the circumstances change, you change the debates. Wouldn't it be stupid to have the debates after the election? Well, they're having yeah, the debates so after the election for about 30% of the people. I mean, that's stupid. It only favors the Democrats because they know every time Biden debates, there's a risk he's going to do the, uh, I can't remember, I pledge allegiance to the United States, God, I don't remember. That could happen at What's any your moment. Me my message is, What's your message? Only the, yeah. my message is, hey, guys, you don't fool us. You work for the other side. Don't pretend you, you don't. And maybe this is the end of you, because to, to put Scully up as a, as a moderator, I mean, I like him. I, he's a nice man. He's interviewed me. Yeah, he is. I'm not even sure he'd be as bad as Wallace. I can't imagine being as bad as Wallace, interrupting as much and one-sided. Uh, the, the, the woman who did it the other night wasn't as bad as Wallace, but the interruptions were all in favor of saving a candidate who really basically disappeared from the screen, the screen in a bunch of smirks. And the only thing I remember that she said during those debates is smirking. Uh, but Wallace virtually took up the debate for Biden. I mean, I texted at the end, yeah. Trump won, Wallace two, Biden never showed up. 
Mr. So Mr. Mayor, I want to yeah, I want to I want to move on. But tell me, tell me how you can select somebody who worked for Joe Biden, worked for Kennedy, never worked for a single Republican to moderate this kind of debate. I mean, suppose they asked me to moderate it, or uh, <laughs> I would or like Jared to see that. <laughs> well, I'll do one. I'll be fair. I, I'm sure you will. I'm, I'm sure you will. Hey, let me, <laughs> let me ask you about COVID nineteen. Let me ask you about COVID nineteen. How are you feeling? You were at the super. They call it the super spreader event. That's what the media calls it. The Amy Coney Barrett event. What, what's your? How are you feeling? And what do you make of all of the reporting that's been done? On, what, on, the, on the president and the fact that COVID is spreading around the West Wing. You are the first to hear the announcement because I just got it two minutes before you called. I got a call from the clinic and they said your last test, which I took yesterday, came out negative. So that's now my third test. Uh, this was a very extensive test. It took mm -hmm. a day to come back. This would put me now virtually 10 days out from the time I was exposed. There's a theoretical 14-day period, but every, every doctor says it's really 7 to 10. I have no symptoms, and I know this will be very disappointing to about three-quarters of the Washington news media who are dying to get me out of the campaign. And I tell you, they were very nice in, in, in sending me you know, any, anything I wanted if I would just quarantine myself for 14 days. I'm okay. Yeah. So, but I'm fine. You're okay. And not only that, fine. I, I'm better than I usually am. I mean, great. Got great energy. I go out and campaign from tomorrow. And I got the feeling, I got it about three days ago, that this election has turned. And it's about to turn some more. And I just got some very good polls that are quite legitimate. In Florida, we're ahead. We've, we've narrowed his lead, even in the phony Fox poll, by half. Narrowing a lead in you know in five days and a half shows momentum, and in three other in three other states that we have to win, we've pulled ahead and we're within the margin of error in the, in the next. In the last four days, there's been a big surge for the president. Even those 12 point polls have now closed to six points. At four points, those in, he wins any he wins any poll. Are those internal I'll polls? You, I'll or give you a funny some... thing. Your your your, your mm -hmm. uh, listeners can count on. In 2016, he won every election where he was behind by less than eight points now. Now, right. he won every election where he was behind by four points in the exit polls, except one, or two, Ohio, uh, Minnesota and New Hampshire. But he won, he won something like, we had, we had 18, he won 16 out of 18 where he was within five meeting losing by five points on election day are there a couple so of states hidden, that you think that Trump yeah, are, there, are there a couple of states that you think that this president's going to win that the media is going to be shocked that they, that he wins whether it be a minnesota or uh you know nevada nevada <laughs> well i go i go at it this way if he wins the states that he has to win that he won last time and that I think he's going to win, he wins. Then you have extra states that are frosting on the cake, right? So Michigan was last time. We hadn't had Michigan in a long time. But Wisconsin even more. This time, this time, I mean, it should be a surprise if he wins Minnesota. I don't think we've had Minnesota since, I'm not sure Reagan won Minnesota. 
He certainly didn't in Mondale. That was the only state Mondale one. That's no, and he right. couldn't. He couldn't. That's have, true. Yeah. So it would have to be Reagan or before Reagan. I actually feel well, better this time about Montana, about uh, Minnesota, than I do about Wisconsin. I think um, I think Montana, he will yeah. win. I think that this time, we're going to have to work hard in Michigan to keep them on board. I think we're going to have to work hard in Wisconsin to keep them on, them on board. I think uh, Ohio, we're, we're in good run. shape. And I think in Pennsylvania, good also. Look, there's a couple of issues I want to talk to you about. I want to get to mail-in balloting in a moment. I'm sure you have a lot to say about that, from, especially from a legal perspective. But what is happening in your city in New York? Uh, the media has been relatively silent when it comes to Antifa and Black Lives Matter uh, as it relates to uh, some of the destruction that's happened in New York and other places around the country. What, what do you think this means for the future of New York and many liberal cities across the country? Their survival is at stake in this election. If uh, the Democrats win and Democrat control of these cities is taken to Washington, it'll be the end of the cities. You have to look at the horrible history that these cities have had with the Democrat Party. I mean, I can just name a few most prominent ones, New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, San Francisco, now Seattle and Portland. You look at you, uh, St. Louis. You look at those cities, and with the exception of New York, it's uh, Baltimore. It's been like 50 or 60 years of one-party rule, and it's been 50 or 60 years of decline in the poor areas to the point where there's been no progress ever, and it's taken for granted. And the politicians who represent them ignore it, become very famous, are lauded somehow as civil rights leaders. And then another interesting phenomenon, most of their wives become millionaires. Mm -hmm. I, could, I could tell you that on the part of a number of uh, ones who represented New York and did nothing for the area. But for example, Charlie's Rang Rangel's wife became a multi-millionaire. He was probably a well-known scandal mm -hmm. that was protected because he was in the House leadership. Um, Cummings, who just died, his district in, in, in Baltimore, he even once said there's been no progress here in 25 years. He just forgot that he had represented it for 20 of those 25 years, which meant he did nothing. It's a terrible thing. It's, a, uh, it's described very, very well in Horowitz's book uh, about um, oh, blitz. about the yeah about about the, the the unholy bargain between the Democrat Party and the uh, poor black areas where they basically con them, put them in the dependency, and then count on their vote, like at 95-5. Well, the more dependency they are, in, the more control they have, the more Democrat they are. Well, and that's a good transition to the Democratic Party and mail-in voting. Uh, look, this president uh, has, has said, you, you've known him very well, he said, look, I'm not necessarily going to commit to anything in terms of whether it be a peaceful transition of power. He's basically, let's wait and see. What, what's your view about what do you think will happen? And do you think the president, uh, what's, what's the game plan November 3rd and on? The game plan is to make sure that the election is a lawful election. It's not about it's not about peace or no peace. It's not about that kind of thing. It's about making sure that this is decided fairly and squarely in court, as it has to be, and that a lot of their cheating that we know. You hear a story every day now. Yeah. And, uh, if if the New York Times was ever right, and it never was, because they they're big liars. They they like to say there's no voter. 
issue. That's like the CNN reporter standing in front of uh, the riots in Portland and people are getting shot in the back and he says, this is a peaceful riot today, a peaceful protest. Today has been a day of peaceful protest and the blood is coming over his head. I mean, I, I, I almost can't believe what liars they are. Every day in any paper anywhere, you're gonna find examples of voter fraud. 90% of it has been to help the Democrats bat ballots with Trump's name on it, destroyed, 1,000, 2,000. Children getting their parents' ballot, they're pro-Democrat, parents of conservatives, they vote for the parents. They send it in for the parents in situations like that, harvesting, including with that um, horrible congresswoman. I don't want to say which one, because I can't remember if it's uh, Tlaib or the other one. But one of, them, one of them was going around, I don't know, I think it was the one who married a brother. It was Elon Omar in Minnesota, yeah. Yeah, Omar, that's the one who was married to her brother, right? Well, that's the, that's right. the allegation. Well, she, was alleged, she was alleged to be married to her brother in order to come into the United States illegally. I'm sure that will not be investigated because the problem with our Republican prosecutors is they're, they're, fr they're frightened. They're frightened of racism. They're frightened of being vilified by the newspapers. They're frightened of not getting a job. This is like a reverse McCarthy period and worse. If you're oh, a conservative, way, if you support yeah. if you support Trump, people tell you don't wear your Trump hat if you can go to dinner. Nobody tells you not to wear your Biden hat. We don't do that to them. We don't. Yeah. I, I want to ask you before I, I have you here, so I need to ask you about the Durham report where there's been talk that that might not come out now before the election. Disappointing? Unconscionable. Not just disappointing. I mean, I know he has evidence about how, and it's coming out. If anybody now doubts that Hillary Clinton developed the Russian collusion plot, they're just so biased they, they'll never be able to function in life properly. The last, the last uh, memo that came out is the coup de grace. I don't need anything more than Brennan writing a note to the president in Brennan's handwriting, saying that Hillary and Hillary's people are developing a counterplot of Russian collusion to take emphasis of what would surely be a criminal case for handling of a computer. That's in Brennan's handwriting. That goes back to mid-July of 2016. The election still had months to go. This was Peter Strzok's plan to stop him from being president. But then he had an insurance policy. I'm quoting him now. Had an insurance policy to take him out or continue to be the insurance policy. So from the very moment the Russian plot emerged, they knew it came from Hillary Clinton. Brennan knew it. Obama knew it. And they're sitting there watching They're watching this and they know it. It means they're totally dishonest, dishonorable. They're not patriots. It comes pretty close to treason. Mr. Mayor, always a pleasure to talk to you. Rudy Giuliani, Thank you. thanks for the time. Thank you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. My big thanks to Rudy Giuliani for coming on the show. I've known uh, the mayor uh, for, my goodness, over 10 years now. Actually, let me think. Oh, goodness gracious, more than that, actually. Uh, 
close to 15 years, actually. Uh, anyhow, I want to also play an interview that we did on the water cooler today. This is with Danielle D'Souza Gill. She's actually the daughter of Dinesh D'Souza. She's out with a new book called uh, uh, The Choice, and it has to do with abortion, the big divide in this country. And she blows up a lot of the myths that you hear about when it comes to abortion and the liberal media. So we're going to play some of that interview. And we also talk about Amy Coney Barrett, because, of course, that's the big story coming next week, the uh, Amy Coney Barrett hearings in the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, and, of course, abortion is going to be front and center for sure. Here is Danielle D'Souza Gill. Thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Danielle, tell us, so what did you try to accomplish in the book? Kind of lay it out for us. Well, you know, I moved to New York when I graduated from college and I saw Governor Cuomo light up the Freedom Tower pink to celebrate nine-month abortions for no medical reason. And I think at that point when I realized that seven states had legalized this, that this was an issue we had to really start speaking about more, not just in terms of kind of a, the pro-life niche uh, audience, but in terms of how can we reach more people. And so my book was really, uh, the goal was to kind of myth bust all the most popular pro-choice arguments that we hear and that we don't talk about enough. Let's go through some of those myths. Uh, obviously, you, you list them and, and you deal with them extensively in the book. What are a couple big ones that you think that just uh, are myths that are out there that people are buying into, buying into some lies? I think the Democrats' argument used to be, you know, safe, legal, and rare. They used to argue that when they kind of wanted uh, Roe v. Wade to be passed in 1973. But I think now that we've seen kind of the evolution of the Democratic Party, we've seen them really argue that, you know, abortion empowers women. They celebrate abortion. Uh, the New York Times recently brought bought Teen Vogue, and they've been running articles like how to use the abortion pill for teenage girls, things like that. So I think that just the, the radicalization of it and um, the myth that abortion empowers women is one of the, the strongest arguments that I think needs to be dispelled. It seems like uh, you're on the, the right side of this. And what I mean by that specifically is that the polls, especially among younger folks, the Gen Zers, the millennials, uh, unlike gay marriage, the, the abortion issue seems to be growing uh, in support as it relates to the pro-life movement. We see more pro-lifers each and every day, especially among Catholics and evangelicals. What's your sense about the, the growing pro-life movement in this country? I think that it's honestly just only continues to pick up steam because it's a human rights issue. And I think, you know, they like to use the word choice on the other side. That's why they call themselves pro-choice and not pro-abortion. But we have to think about what the choice really means. And that is the choice to kill. It's the choice to take another's life that is not your own. And I think a lot of people realize this. They realize this because of ultrasound, because of the heartbeat, because of all of these developments that allow us to know what is going on in pregnancy, what's happening in the womb. And um, the fact that, you know, my rights to my choice really only goes as far as your face. I can't, you know, punch you in the face. And in the same way, we can't just wipe out another human being's life. Danielle, what do you expect next week at Amy Coney Barrett's hearing? Abortion is clearly going to be front and center. What's, uh, uh, what, what, what do you expect? <laughs> You know, I expect them to treat her worse than they did Kavanaugh. I think that, you know, we kind of saw in 2016 even how they treated Trump. I think there there was so much fear that Trump would remake our courts, and he really has. And he has um, remade them in a way that will have impact far beyond, you know, his four or eight years in, as president. And I think even with the Kavanaugh hearings, we heard that Christine Blasey Ford's lawyer talked about how Roe v. Wade is part of what motivated her to come forward. And now when we see with Amy Coney 
Barrett, I think they're going to really focus on criticizing her for her faith. And um, I think it's because they really do know that the end of Roe v. Wade is near. So um, I expect a big firestorm <laughs> to be starting next week for sure. You know, it's interesting. You brought up something. You said you think she's going to be treated worse than Kavanaugh, which I think is interesting. It makes me think about how pro-life women are treated in this country. Uh, you know, we hear so much about feminism and we hear about the women's movement. But if you're a strong pro-life woman, uh, all of a sudden, uh, many of the, the, the radical left women out there get pretty silent when it comes to the pro-life women who are speaking strongly. They do, and it's because it really refutes their narrative. Their narrative is, oh, you know, the pro-lifer is an old, angry man who wants to take away your rights, when in reality, so many of the pro-lifers who are out there marching, who are out there fighting for, you know, the babies in the womb are actually women. You know, the head of Susan B. Anthony List is a woman. The head of the March for Life is a woman. I'm a woman. There are many women out there, and I think it's just the fact that we know that abortion doesn't empower women, and we know that Planned Parenthood by refusing to even show women, for example, their ultrasounds, things like that. They're basically trying to get women to have abortions by pulling the wool over their eyes and not actually, you know, showing them what's going on. So I think that women who stand up for the pro-life movement are hated the most by the left. Danielle, where does President Trump fit into all of this? Your book is called The Choice, and boy, I tell you what, he, he chose uh, pro-life over pro-choice, so to speak, and many say pro-abortion. Uh, he, he's come around on the issue. It's been a while now since he's come around on the issue. What do you make of, of what he's done and, and how important his impact has been in the pro-life uh, movement? Well, you know, I think there have been Republican presidents before him who have acted like they're pro-life or talked about it, but then they don't actually do a lot for the pro-life movement. And I think the incredible thing about President Trump is he's such an unexpected person to make this his issue. But um, he was very clear about it in holding Planned Parenthood accountable to their Title X funding. Uh, Planned Parenthood refused to, you know, um, separate their funding for other services from their abortion funding, so they lost that Title X funding. President and Trump was the first president to speak at the March for Life, and he's talked about de de defunding Planned Parenthood even further. And I think we even see in his nomination of Amy Coney Barrett that, you know, this is something that he actually really does care about. And I think it's the actions that really matter the most when it comes to actually making change in terms of bringing our country to a more pro-life place. Danielle, I've got less than a minute left, but I want to ask you about the Women for Trump uh, bus tour. You're a part of that, a very uh, integral part of that. Uh, what's, what's happening with that, especially in this campaign season? Uh, it's been virtual, but the campaign bus tour does go out there for sure. Yes, yes, we have a massive pink bus. I have my pink book, so it's great. I love talking to women on the road, talking to undecided voters. And honestly, a lot of them, like you would think we'd get hatred, but we actually just get so many women and girls coming up to us wanting to take selfies, wanting to see the bus. And so it's awesome. It's just building so much ground support. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
Big thanks to Danielle and, of course, Rudy Giuliani as well. Both guests on the water cooler. You can see it Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern on Real America's Voice. Also on Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto Television, or Pluto TV as they call it, Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, all of that. Long... Uh, I'm going to take a long weekend, I think. i got to do that. i got to decompress. Going to Florida for the weekend. That should be fun. Looking forward to it. See you back here next week on the Pods Honest Truth.